Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. The holidays are done, but we're still here. Happy holidays. Happy uh, time after the holidays. Yeah. Happy that's... almost new year. How about that? <laughs> yeah, we're not, I guess we're not really sure what to call this, uh, the the liminal space here. The limbo. Between, yeah, the limbo <laughs> in between Christmas and New Year's. But whatever it is, happy that. Happy listeners. that. Hey. hey, I hope you all have recovered from your holiday hangovers. Yeah. I hope you all received something that you were hoping for. Yeah. And maybe something that you weren't expecting but it was a nice surprise. Uh, I hope you all got to see family in one way or the other, whether it was via Zoom chat or in person, if you were fortunate enough. Yeah. Yeah, we were lucky enough that we were able to see some family here, which is, I think, a really great thing in (laughs) times like this. It's been a stressful, (laughs) crazy year, and I'm glad that we could kind of make that all work and that we're able to be back here recording another fun episode for you listeners. Absolutely. And even though we originally intended to recording to record this on Boxing Day itself, uh, we're actually doing it the day after, but this is our tribute to Boxing Day. No one would have known. You didn't have to out us. <laughs> well, like I don't that. know. It's on my mind. <laughs> yeah, this is this is our Boxing Day episode, which actually, we don't really celebrate Boxing Day in America. I don't uh, know what Boxing Day is. So Boxing <laughs> My understanding is that Boxing Day is the day after Christmas where you take all the boxes, your stuff, your your box of all your things to recycling. Yeah, I don't really know. It's on calendars. Uh, (laughs) I don't. We could be very wrong. I here in the United States, the day after Christmas is usually a big shopping day. Yeah, that's when everything's on sale. So maybe it's something similar to that too. Well, international listeners, if you do celebrate (laughs) Boxing Day, contact us and let us know what the heck it is that you do on this day. Uh, What we are doing on this day is finding a tenuous link between uh, this strange holiday that we cannot explain and Dungeons and Dragons. And the way we are deciding to do that is by creating some characters that are boxers or brawlers or, yeah, career fighters. Exactly. This was uh, something we had kind of said we wanted to talk about after seeing the uh, Tyson Jones fight a few weeks ago. And Dale Ivory on Twitter uh, was able to kind of help make a link here for us. They suggested that we <laughs> talk about boxers on Boxing Day because we don't really know what Boxing Day is all about anyway. So, But we do know a lot about boxing, <laughs> yes, surprisingly enough. Uh, it may shock you, but we are big boxing fans. Yes, so we thought that would be a fun thing to kind of talk about here today and to talk about some of our, yeah, our favorite boxing, uh, you know, media, our portrayals of boxing and how to spin those into some interesting characters for your D&D and Pathfinder and Starfinder games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sam, do you have a character that you'd like to start off with for inspiration? I do. I have a couple actually that I wanted to talk about. Um, the first <laughs> one that I was really excited about, this was, um, I I think it's really easy to say, sort of point to the Rocky franchise and be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Rocky, like the most you know well-known boxer ever, right? But I think Rocky is one of the least interesting boxers in the Rocky franchise by far. Definitely. I would much rather talk about, uh, I, I think I want to have like 
there's different sort of approaches here right you can have your ivan dragos which are like the big cool bad guy hulking monstrous boxer that's Mm -hmm. like literally made in like a russian (laughs) laboratory to be the perfect boxer or you can have the apollo creed on the other side where you're this like charismatic (laughs) yeah exactly like people's champion everybody loves him he you know he's he's a big showman he's got you know his his way of kind of carrying himself as a big part of his mm-hmm. you know his persona is a his part panache. of his fighting style yeah exactly but what um, about his son though and his son adonis creed of adonis course creed. His, yes. he's on my list i've yeah. got adonis on mine. absolutely but i i love them both and i think um i think it kind of highlights these different sort of styles of boxer right that you can sort of say well i don't have to talk just my my fists do the talking right <laughs> like my huge stature is all that i need to be intimidating right and with apollo creed where it's about sort of being cocky and the showmanship and his confidence is a big part of what you know he, he looks so relaxed and like he mm-hmm. knows he's gonna win all the time i think that's a really interesting sort of strategy as well also we just love carl weathers so. oh yeah no there's <laughs> what's not to love um yeah no when it comes to the rocky franchise So I really started getting into Rocky when I started watching Creed and then the Creed sequel. I had never really sought out um, the Rocky movies myself. Um, I had watched the first one, didn't really like it. Like, it was fine. (laughs) But like, in the the beginning, I felt Rocky's character was kind of unlikable. He was just such a kind of dope and i didn't really like his romance with adrian like that kind of like developed because at first he was just so awkward and i didn't yeah i didn't really i don't know he didn't connect with me um the other movies i've seen clips and i do want to watch them because they they look way more interesting but when it comes to the creed films which i feel like really picked up the rocky franchise it was like what if this was like nominated for best picture like what if this was like really good like cinematography and like acting and there's like so much heart there that is kind of inspired by the original heart of the the earlier part of the series but now here we have adonis creed the sort of almost illegitimate son of his famous father who's trying to make a name for himself and he he won't go by creed at first because he's like no i have to be my own boxer i'm not just my father's son well i think it's a it's a good way of making you know rocky at its heart is an underdog story right Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of it it's not i i don't think that rocky is great as a boxing movie because the portrayals of boxing at least in the early ones are so cartoonish you know like mm-hmm. it's it's not really the way that people actually box like rocky's <laughs> boxing style is he's just better at getting punched than the other boxer is at punching you right. know he's he like just you take a lot of hits yeah he's like you just punch me until you get too tired to keep punching me and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll hit you a couple times and i'll win right like i mean that's that's fun to see because you get to see this you know big triumphant victory and it's this inspirational thing where he comes up he lifts himself up by mm-hmm. his bootstraps and he you know and he runs around philadelphia in a in a sweatsuit and you know it, <laughs> It's, it's fun to see that, right? But I think the Rocky style of winning, it's the same across the board, right? It, the, the way that he wins at boxing is kind of the same way that his relationship with Adrian worked out, where he just was, <laughs> you know, kind of a, kind of an idiot for a while until it sort of worked out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know that's, what I that's, mean? yeah, it's good. That's a good, uh, uh connection. But um, I love it. And every Rocky movie has the scene where he's like, you know, that's how winning's done. Like he's always got a cool, like motivational speech, which is, definitely. in my opinion, always the best part of the movie. I love that. That's the thing that I think I love so much about the Creed films is I, I think rock, for me personally, rock, 
Rocky's character really shines when he steps into that mentor role. Mm-hmm. Like when, because he was the champion first, but now I love that he is there to teach Adonis yeah. and to like help him become, you know, who he wants to be. And the fact that he was good friends with uh, his with father, yeah. exactly. Then and Adonis never had that father figure in his life that yeah. he can kind of take that place and be there for him. It's such a great passing of the torch because it's like, what are we going to do? Watch an eighty-five-year-old man like you know beat people up for you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know. As, <laughs> we already uh, saw that in Grudge Match. <laughs> yeah, eventually we're going to get to a point where we're like, this is not sustainable anymore with Rocky. And I, I really, really like the way they pass that on. And I think that's an interesting role for a character too. You know, if you're making a D and D character that maybe formerly was a boxer mm-hmm. and now they're called back out to adventure for, you know, for some reason or another, like a bunch of, you know, maybe seven samurai style, a bunch of bandits are attacking your town and you have to, you know, all of the, um, all of the young fighters are off to war. So this old man or old woman has to get together all of the old kind of retired fighters and boxers and bring them <laughs> together into this group to defend the town. Like it's I, the expendables. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that would be kind of a fun thing to look at. And I like that mentorship role or yeah. maybe having two characters in your party where one is the, you know, old crafty veteran and they're kind of helping this younger new fighter learn the ropes yeah. as you go in an adventure. I think that'd be a really fun dynamic if you and another player want to like develop that. your characters together. One of them is the trainer. You know, they're yeah. reading with the stool and the bucket and yeah. the <laughs> and the little coin to press against your yeah, bleeding earlobe. And, yeah. <laughs> and the other is the young fighter. I think that'd be really cool. Absolutely. Um, so I think my next inspiration that I'm going to share is uh, it's both a he's a real life fighter, but I was first introduced to him uh, in a movie and that is James James J. Braddock, yeah. uh, the Bulldog of Bergen. Um, so when <laughs> I've definitely talked about Jim Braddock before on the yes. podcast, always worth bringing him up again. I definitely. Think. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anything diddly squat about uh, boxing <laughs> until I saw this movie with my parents when I was like in elementary school. It was the first movie that I cried at in theaters. I was like in tears and I was clapping along at the end because it's like so inspirational. Oh. It literally is. It's the movie Cinderella yeah. Man. It's a a Cinderella story, an underdog story. Yeah. It was also and probably the last movie you cried at in our apartment, I believe, right? <laughs> I think I've cried at other movies. No, I Since cried then. at uh, another movie a few days ago. Okay. All right. well, <laughs> Over the Moon, watch it on Netflix. All right. Very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I saw that movie and it inspired me so much. And ever since then, I have been seeking out, uh, you know, boxing movies. And I, and it's got me interested in actual boxing as well. Yeah. Um, so a few just quick fun facts about him that I looked up because I think this information is interesting. Yeah. Um, the actual uh, James Braddock. So he was the world heavyweight champion from 1935 to 19. 19- his win record is much different from some of the other champions I've seen because he had so many losses due to a bunch of hand injuries that yeah. he had during the Great Depression. So out of his 58 fights, he won... Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Out of his 88 fights, yeah. he won 52. Uh, 27 of those were wins by knockout. Yeah. yeah. That is a really interesting... Like that, that kind of... It, a lot of fighters, you can watch them. Like you can watch Mike Tyson and be like, I know he's going to win every time, which I think in some kind of way makes him less interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mike Tyson's a bad example because Mike Tyson is fascinating to watch because he is a <laughs> machine. Yes. But I, I do think that there is something to be said for 
having someone that you root for, but you it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to win every time. Right. I think that's exciting and that gets people going. And like that, that really is an easier thing to get riled up about because it's more exciting when you get that victory. I love that. No, absolutely. I, I as much as I love watching, uh, you know, big heavyweight champion fights, if it's guaranteed that there's going to be a knockout in the third round, it's like, well, well it's over too soon. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, it is fun to see someone like knock someone unconscious yeah. with their fist. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love boxing. Yeah. But like if it ends too soon or it's a not even match, then yeah, it's not yeah. quite as yeah. fun. I agree. Yeah, it's definitely more fun to have a little bit of sport <laughs> in it there, I think. <laughs> but um, that's still a phenomenal story. Definitely go check out the movie Cinderella Man. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really interesting. I, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, how it opens up with saying like never in the history of boxing has there been a human interest story more fascinating or heartwarming than that of James Braddock or something. Like, right. It really is a heartwarming story. Because <laughs> he inspired a whole bunch of people during the Depression. He kind of yeah. helped them kind of pick themselves up again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing people need. So I think that's great. Uh, The next one that I wanted to talk about, less of a noble uh, fighter here, I think. I wanted to talk about Brad Pitt in Snatch. Oh, I was thinking Uh, of him too. (laughs) Which which I think is such a fun role for him. So the the Guy Ritchie film Snatch, which is – it's like all Guy Ritchie films. It's kind of a gangster movie with a big ensemble cast and it's a bunch of stories that are kind of mixing together and all these characters are – kind of getting in each other's way and sort of ruining each other's plans and things like that. And uh, one of the characters in it, played by Brad Pitt, is this kind of Irish, uh, like, bare-knuckle boxing kind of, like, <laughs> like hoodlum. He, he's completely incomprehensible throughout the entire movie. He has this super thick, weird accent, and <laughs> he kind of acts like this sort of, like, ringer. There's a few points in the movie where they, they hire him to be in a boxing match because Jason Statham is kind of put in a bind. He has to provide a boxer for this match with this crooked, you know, boxing, uh, like, facilitator guy. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and gets Brad Pitt's character, and he's like, you have to lose. And Brad Pitt's character's like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to lose. No, he's like, I don't yeah. lose. <laughs> and he knocks the guy out in one punch. He just, like, annihilates this guy. And it causes all these kind of problems that, you know, spring from there. But he's just this really funny character who every time he opens his mouth, everybody else is just kind of like, what? <laughs> and he kind of like looks around. But then when he gets in the ring, it's very clear what he's, you know what I mean? There's oh, this totally. like clarity of his action that is not there in his sort of speech, which I think is really fun. Well, so his visual aesthetic is very different from a lot of the boxers that we've mentioned so far. Yeah. So far, we've been talking about these big, beefy heavyweights. Yeah. And this guy is definitely, he takes off his shirt and he's kind of like meth strong. He's, he's stringy. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. that's like... The thing is, is that people underestimate him, but yeah. he's got all this rage and trailer park like yeah. energy and he's ready to totally. throw scissors at you <laughs> and, Totally, like, <laughs> ruin you. So. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I think he's a really fun character. And uh, that's also just a really fun movie about kind of underground boxing in London in like the 90s or something. So go and check that another little early rec room there for you. And I think he has sort of a chaotic energy. Definitely. That would be really fun to try and capture in a player. I think you could make a justification for him as like a rogue as a boxer or mm. something like that even, which I think would be kind of interesting. Would he be yeah. like a chaotic neutral? Because I can't see him as like kind of good or bad. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I would say. Yeah. I think, Or even like true neutral because he really is just all about his kind of clan, like his family and his friends, mm-hmm. and they'll do basically anything to kind of keep themselves safe. I feel like the uh, chaos element needs to be there because yeah. he is such a wild yeah. card. I think I think you're totally right. Yeah, <laughs> and he likes dags. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So my next one that I want to talk about is actually a D&D character that I created for uh, yeah. a session that we did that had a, a pretty short run. Um, I kind of wish I could bring him back and maybe oh, we, we will we someday. Will. We've got him on the shelf somewhere ready to, ready yeah. to spring into action again. Um, so I created a character a while ago uh, whose name is Arthur Barnes, and he was also a street brawler by yeah. profession. Uh, and he was a fighter. But the way that he was created, he was sort of partial fighter, but he could also be somewhat barbaric. And the reason behind that is, is that I wanted him to be this huge, kind of jolly, nice man, kind of like yeah. a, a fighting Santa. Yeah. Like he was supposed to be kind of like, uh, he was always following the rules and he's looking out for people. And his whole thing is that if he, he would take people under his wing and the way he would teach them to be better is like, he's like, oh, I'm going to knock your lights out. If yeah. you do that again, you little scamp. Cause I think your character was constantly getting into trouble and he was yeah. trying to, you know, straighten you out. It's sort of a school of hard knocks kind of guy. Yeah. He yeah. wants you to learn by doing and by making mistakes. And sometimes he'll put a mistake in front of you. <laughs> the shape of a fist. Yeah. <laughs> but so like his thing, because he was this big um, provider and caregiver, is that he came across this, and I'm trying to remember the exact details of it, but somehow he allowed a demonic entity to uh, live inside of him. I think he maybe saved someone someday or came across it and it was there kind of shriveled up on the side of the road, this kind of little ghost blob. Yeah. And he's like, well, hey there, friend, you can live inside me. I don't mind that. Like, you need a place to stay? Take my body. It's fine. And the, and the little demon is like, yes, thank you. And it's slithered inside of him. And so he always has this kind of like uh, devil on his shoulder whispering in his ear. But he's such a good character that like rarely does the the negative thoughts of this demon like actually affect him. He's always like, oh, shush, that's not what we do. We help people. But now and then when he needs to like get into a fight that he can't handle, he will let the demon take over him. And then he kind of goes barbarian. There's a lot of really interesting sort of in like flavor influences here that i see i mean i definitely see there's kind of like a werewolf angle that under certain conditions a more powerful form emerges it's kind of a warlock angle because he sort of has a agreement or a pact with this you know powerful force he's a fighter he's just straight up a fighter Mm -hmm. but there's also kind of this barbarian berserk rage thing like it brings in and synthesizes a lot of different kind of tropes from the D&D world and I think a really interesting way oh thanks and I liked seeing that in that character was I wish we could have gotten to play with him a little more because it was such a fun like you were almost playing multiple characters kind of all contained within that yourself like whenever he would get into a a really intense battle and he would you know you'd kind of change your voice and you'd your mannerisms would sort of change (laughs) and he had a very different sort of motivation as his demon form than he did as his Arthur Barnes form exactly it was kind of like a Jacqueline Hyde sort of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, I remember the thing that stood out to me the most from when we were playing is one time we, uh, Arthur had already let the demon kind of possess him because he needed it for a fight because his HPs were low. And we were like running <laughs> through a city and you tried as DM to create a scenario that would slow our party down yeah. by having some like guys come out of a tavern, recognize my character and try to like stop him by being like, hey, it's you. And they were like pulling out their knives like you owe us money or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I was already in my like demon form and so i rolled really well and so arthur just turns looks at them with this horrifying smile and like smashes them to pieces yeah, oh yeah and then we just kept going on what we were doing he just buffaloed right through them in a, <laughs> in, in a way that 
it was kind of that synthesis of just freak luck of getting a series of really good roles right. right after another. And also just having a character that's kind of designed well to do exactly what you were trying to do. Yeah. You know, and you just, it was really satisfying, honestly, to see my plans fall apart in that way because it was a pretty spectacular, like, you know, as I recall, <laughs> I think you, you know, you picked one of them up by the head and like smashed him into the other guy or yeah. something. And I was like, oh, okay. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> just kept running as he went. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a fun encounter. I, yeah, I really want to see Arthur Barnes rear his head again. I, I think that would be delightful. Uh, the next one that I wanted to talk about here actually, again, kind of synthesizes some of these other things we've been talking about. The, the kind of Rocky angle, the, uh, Mike Tyson angle and kind of the underdog angle of it. And that would be, uh, Little Mac actually from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Uh, and as, you know, now kind of more modernly known from Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, I think Little Mac is really fun because he takes that underdog thing to a cartoonishly exaggerated height. So some stats on Little Mac here. Um, he is inspired by Rocky directly. Uh, and he is kind of this like people's champion, but he is four foot eight and 107 pounds. <laughs> and his goal at the end of the game is to take out the baddest man in the world, Iron Mike Tyson. And, you know, it's spoilers for a game that came out in 1989 or whatever, but you do. I mean, that's the whole thing is you go through all of these different boxers and everyone has a different sort of technique. You have to memorize their patterns. And then the last one is Mike Tyson. And he's like impossible to beat, which <laughs> I'm sure the actual Mike Tyson had a hand in that. He said, yeah, you can put me in the game but I got to win. Yeah, I got to win every time. (laughs) I have to be unbeatable. But, uh, you know, he has a special technique called the star punch that if you stun your, you know, your opponent, then you get a little window where you can do this crazy spinning uppercut move. And that's kind of his signature, like knock everybody out. And it's really cool to see, you know, even on the NES with, you know, the crude 1980s graphics, the scale between Little Mac and the the other boxers that he's fighting is really interesting. It really kind of tells a story and it really demonstrates how he has to be so tenacious and like, you know, like such an indomitable spirit to keep going after these bigger and stronger boxers that are they just tower over him. You know, I mean, he has one boxer that he fights whose name is King Hippo and he's literally just a giant round blob who's like five times the size of oh Little gosh. Mac. And Little Mac <laughs> is just this tiny guy you know, in the back. And you, it's it's really cool uh, to see that. I, I like Little Mac a lot. That's one thing. Speaking of like, you know, the size difference and having to bring yeah. that into your fighting style. That's one thing that I think is really exciting about boxing as a sport is that I think a lot of people who don't watch it and who don't know much about it, they think, oh, it's just punching people in yeah. the head. But it's actually there's a lot of strategy that goes into yeah. it, like studying your opponent. And I'm thinking of because I talk about this all the time. I'm thinking of a scene in uh, Real Steel when Hugh Jackman, <laughs> the boxer in that movie, decides to finally uh, help train their uh, robot fighter and who the robot even though he's also a giant robot yeah. he's kind of short compared to the other ones there's a scene where he's uh, working with him and he's like alright you're kind of small so you're going to have to be punching up and he's like training him how to do that he's like and just kind of that idea and yeah. how you incorporate that into your style yeah i think is really cool but why would you build a smaller robot is that justified in the movie do oh, they yeah. say this or it's so he can move faster or no, something so adam it... uh that's the character's name the robot adam yeah. was never meant to be an actual uh boxing robot he is a he's uh, an unboxing robot no <laughs> from a factory <laughs> he I does see. youtube videos where it. he opens up packages and he reacts <laughs> to what's inside he's a vlog bot <laughs> i get it okay cool no he's a he's a 
sprawling bot. Um, so he's there so that other robots a can sparring, like, a sparring. sparring that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that other robots can practice on him. And like, that's why he's so resilient. He's the Rocky of the robot yeah. world because he's a little <laughs> tank. He's built to have other robots wail on him so they can get better. But yeah. then they, you know, they find him, they fix him up. They make him, they enter him into the competitions and suddenly now he's a fighter himself. Yeah. Yeah. So they realize, why, oh, here's something that we can capitalize on this trait of his that no other boxer has. Exactly. Yeah. He's made of like the super special metal so he can withstand a whole bunch of incredible hits and keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I think that's good that you brought up real steel because I had notes here that I wanted to I mean we've mentioned Real Steel again multiple times on Which this show. Someday right? Which, I will make Sam watch yeah, that movie because we talk about it so often. I've never and, seen it and, and I don't really have much interest. Sam's like, I don't want to watch it. It's like just <laughs> just I'll put it on in the background. But it seems <laughs> what's interesting about it to me is I think we've talked about this specifically before, the idea of you know, applying that to a D&D setting, we can very easily overlay that onto a Warforged, right? Right. And sort of say, oh, if you were, if you were a Warforged that was constructed to be a fighter in, a, you know, in like a boxing arena or something like that, I think that's something that would be kind of fun to see. And actually what I was thinking about is, trying to put yet another kind of pop culture spin onto that. And I was thinking about the idea of a Warforged that is more than one entity combined into a Warforged. So like Power Rangers style, how they have their, they all have their like Zords mech. and they combine into a big Megazord. Yeah, <laughs> mech or whatever. How interesting would it be if you had a, a like a trio of fighters OMG. that were, you know, little, little clockwork halflings or gnomes or dwarves or something. And they were all little, little boxers on their own. But then when they had to fight a really big enemy, they would kind of, you know, like sock it into each other and turn into a bigger fighter. I form the head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they come together. That would be incredible. Yeah. I think, that, and that'd be super fun because, you know, depending on kind of how you were feeling like playing that character that day, you know, maybe, maybe they can have, they can each take different positions, right? So one of them kind of prefers being the arms, one of them prefers being the legs, and one of them prefers being the head, right? I form but, the butt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whatever body part they want to play, they can play. But if you, you know, if they need to in a pinch, like if one of them is damaged or something, they have to switch roles so they can punch better or something, right? And so the head would be sort of the personality. Mm -hmm. And depending on who is playing the head on any given day, they would have a slightly different sort of attitude or or fighting style or personality. I think that'd be a fun thing as a character to be able to cycle through these different sort of personalities that kind of yeah. live inside this one character. So you're describing this as one character. I'm also picturing if a and d party was made up of war-forged sentient robot characters yeah. and when they're fighting their big boss they have to assemble like one big like gundam style <laughs> yeah, like come yeah. together thing which like makes sense that you could actually play it that way because then you know as you're saying okay uh we're going to you know draw my sword that i saved until the last moment yeah, yeah, to use and we're going to stab <laughs> at our enemy and so everyone probably just has to roll their dices together and you add up all those things and i that's really cool yeah, that could work out totally well and you know it's a boxing match so you're only allowed to draw your sword once you've noticed that the other boxer is cheating i think is yes. how it works yeah it's <laughs> the way that that goes when the other boxer yeah. turns into a pterodactyl and it carries you into the stratosphere <laughs> yeah. and then you're like for my family and you draw your sword yes. and then you slice it in the half. one situation in which it makes sense that you waited until the last minute to use the most powerful weapon in your arsenal which could yes. have ended the fight yes. in which a could have ended the fight at the beginning yeah <laughs> absolutely very nice <laughs> it's all about being an honorable combatant piper exactly exactly <laughs> yeah i think that to be fun yeah i either having each player in the party play one part of this character or have one player 
play all three of them in whichever one they want to be kind of in control on that day. They can have sort of a sassy one and one that's kind of more nurturing and one that is maybe a pacifist. And they're like, that's why I play the butt all the time. I play the butt. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be really fun to play. (laughs) I love that. Um, All right. So for my next one, I have to talk about my real life absolute favorite boxer of all time. The one who got me really in like into real life boxing. Yeah. And that is Dr. Steelhammer himself, <laughs> Vladimir Klitschko, heavyweight champion of the world, former. Yeah. Uh, I've got Most s- well known from a small cameo in Ocean's Eleven, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Right? <laughs> Apart from his yeah, for- worldwide <laughs> career as an incredible tank of a man. And, and politician. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I've got a whole bunch of fun facts for you here, Sam, because um, this guy's incredible. I really got into him in my freshman year of college. Yeah. I think my roommate Tasha and I, we were watching just like boxing movies because we loved them. And we just started doing some research and somehow we came across Vladimir and we watched a few of his matches and we got hooked. We bought t-shirts the next day. Well, you thought he was really hot. He's also so, yeah. incredibly hot. Uh, <laughs> so that helps. Don't front Piper, okay? Um, if you need some help wondering why he's so hot, the answer is he's six foot six, uh, coming in over 240 pounds. <laughs> he has a PhD in sports science, speaks four languages. He's a two-time heavyweight champion uh, and he holds the record with the longest cumulative heavyweight title reign of all time, 4,382 days as champion. Yeah. Uh, he won out of 69 fights, he won 64. And 53 of these were wins by knockout. Unbelievable. Amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. So one thing that I found out in the research I was doing just now before the episode, which is I thought is really interesting. So there are essentially two parts to his career. In, in the beginning of his career, he was known more as like an aggressive fighter. It was all about the power jabs and he moved around a whole lot and it was kind of violent. He would knock people out really fast. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as effective point-wise and he actually lost a whole bunch uh, while he was doing that. That's where most of his losses came from, is that part of his career. He was then taken on by this other very famous uh, trainer. He was an American trainer, and he taught him how to be more defensive. And so what's really interesting is once he took on that defensive style, where he kind of really holds back, he protects himself, and he wears out his opponent until like later rounds, and then it's just total knockout, then he unleashes himself. And so that's what kind of helped him be so successful. But what's interesting is there is a fair amount of critique from the like fan base of saying, well, he's kind of robotic. It makes him a little less interesting to watch because before he was kind of like, woohoo, wild and crazy. But now he's very restrained. And he that's how he kind of like becomes this like very smart fighter. But some people think it's less interesting to watch. So I thought that's kind of interesting. I do think that's really interesting. And it speaks to, you know, like you were saying, boxing is a sport of strategy, right? Mm -hmm. That there are different styles that are viable in different situations and against different fighters. You know, you have to be able to sort of size up your opponent and say, do I need to be really aggressive and go all out or do I need to, you know, wait a minute and kind of get a sense of their, you know, their rhythms and their, you know, movement patterns and, you know, hold back a little bit and play defensively and then look for an opening. And I think that's a really, really interesting thing. That's my favorite thing about boxing is getting to see the different approaches that different fighters have. And I think talking about that aggressive style not being as effective for Klitschko I think that's interesting because, you know, again, talking about somebody like Mike Tyson, Mm -hmm. whose whole strategy is just be a bulldog that never lets up. Exactly. I mean, the the match we watched with him recently, he's 52 or 54 or something like that. Something like that. And the way he moves, no one who's that 
age should be able to move that way anymore. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he just never lets up. Like it's just a like punch after punch after punch after pow, punch. Pow, pow, yeah. Pow. Nonstop. And most people can't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tyson is an anomaly in the in the boxing world because nobody else can really fight like him. Certainly not for an extended period of time. Although most of Mike Tyson's fights are won in the first couple rounds. You right. know, I think like something like I may be quoting this totally wrong, but I think it's something like half of his knockouts are in the first three rounds or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. I can believe it. Which is wild because yeah, you just go no the other thing is sort of the public image of that, right? Like nobody wants to be in the ring with Mike Tyson. He's yet, terrifying. What was the name of the guy who he fought that we watched? Roy, Roy Jones Jr. Okay, yeah, because I mean he held his own pretty well against that beast, but also I at the end of the match, disagree with that. But he didn't get knocked out. That's what <laughs> yeah. I mean by he held his own. Like he made it through the whole fight without getting knocked out. Because at the yeah. end, Mike Tyson's there, hardly sweating at all, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, it was a real good match. Yeah. I had a great time. This is really fun. Totally fine with it being a draw. You know, good sportsmanship. Yeah. Yada yada yada." The guy turns to the other dude and he's like yeah yeah it was a good fight for me too and he yeah. just like tried to stand totally. keep standing up totally i i thought that was really interesting that yeah the the difference in uh, yeah after fight reactions to, to the two of them because clearly mike tyson was in control of that and i think they said you both are well respected boxers with good records you should probably both you know win you should, neither of you should really lose it was an exhibition. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So a couple of really fun things, just last things to share about uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah. So he took the heavyweight title after his brother, uh, yeah. Vitaly, who ha had it before him. And what's really interesting about these two brothers... I bet Christmas is awkward. You know? No, it's not. <laughs> they are so close. It's awesome. So they grew up together. They're Ukrainian. And there's actually this really good documentary uh, that came out in 2011. Uh, I think it's just called Klitschko. And it's about yeah. their two lives and their careers and what they did after boxing they're philanthropists, they're newly uh, politicians. After Vitaly left the boxing world, he decided to go into politics because they're both they both have PhDs. They're yeah. both speak a lot of languages. And actually, I think it's really they, interesting. They both have more PhDs and speak more languages than either of us. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Vitaly, uh, he founded the Ukrainian Democratic Alliance for Reform, which is a new political party in the Ukraine. And really, at its core, it's all about anti-corruption, uh, getting rid of all inequality and poverty, yeah. and just kind of bringing more power to the people. Which is also just an incredibly brave thing to do, I think, in a part of the world where it's not totally beyond the pale for a politician to be harassed or sent death threats or, you know, poisoned as <laughs> has happened recently in, in politics in that part of the world. So, yeah, I think that's really that's really admirable too. Well, that's the thing. And yeah. that's, they talk about this a lot in the documentary and just like in their personal lives. So I think this background in fighting, they've always taken kind of like the honorable approach to it. Like it is a gentleman's sport and they, they, carried those ideals into what they did afterwards into yeah. his political career and he's like no we have to fight for the little man and we have to do all this stuff and yeah they yeah there's so many things i have here about you know different things they've done for charity and just to improve things so yeah. they're just cool guys that gentleman fighter thing is really interesting to me i mean we are always bringing up the whole you know the old timey carnival strongman looking guy <laughs> with a you know a big fancy beard who looks like he'd you know he'd punch you in the face with one hand and then have a cup of tea in the other hand that kind of thing i think that's interesting yeah I like that duality exactly. of this, that there's the sort of stereotypically kind of brutal, like, oh, big and tough and strong. And then this also 
this sort of refinement mm-hmm. and and a measured and strategic and intelligent approach to not just dealing with boxing, but with dealing with, you know, your day-to-day life. I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. My last fact to share about them is that they've been offered many times like millions of dollars to fight one another. But since they started uh, boxing when they were young, they promised their mother that they would never <laughs> fight one another um, <laughs> in the ring. And so they've refused. They're like, no, I'm not punching in my brother. Ring, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they they spar with one another. They have pillow fights all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> They've practiced with each other, but they'll never do it yeah. to, like, hurt one another. Yeah, they have, a, a like, a Rock'em Sock'em Robot tournament, I bet, at home. Oh, every, sure, every... of course. <laughs> yeah, they put on um, Sock'em Boppers, those yeah, exactly. inflatable punchies. <laughs> it's more fun than a pillow fight. Exactly, yeah. Those, those big uh, inflatable sumo suits that you can wear to, to, like, parties and corporate events and things like that. Yeah. Anyway, no, check out the documentary, uh, that's, Klitschko. That's really cool. And the the brother aspect of it as well. I mean, kind of similarly to how we said, how cool would it be to have multiple fighters kind of combine, right? To have a, you know, a group of little automatons that combine <laughs> together into one big fighter to have two brothers, two twin brothers or two very close two brothers. brothers. Yes. That <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe this would be an interesting thing, kind of the prestige style. The two brothers are so similar in appearance and mannerisms and fighting style that maybe the rest of your party doesn't actually know they're twins. Maybe it's like a secret that, you know, that like this could be that they have this sort of like longevity, like they can just keep going. Like nobody understands why they have so much endurance. Well, it's because on one day one of them is fighting and then when the other one needs to take a rest the next day, the other one pops out and assumes that role and continues on fighting. And so there's this kind of mythology of, about them. They're like, you know, the never ending, like this steam train of a fighter that can just keep going and going and going. Dang. That would be an interesting angle, I think, to have as a character. And how long can you keep that secret a secret from your party? Yeah. If that's something you want to do right Mm -hmm. i mean one day your character has to go take a bath in the river and then they find out that he's actually two men not one (laughs) and then it's mulan (laughs) yes exactly exactly uh i i think that would be fun um i don't know why they had to take a bath in the river to be discovered i guess just the mulan joke i just tried to tie it into mulan (laughs) i thought there was going to be like a tattoo on one of their butts or something um and that's the giveaway well his cutie mark is different than his brother's cutie mark exactly one is a rainbow the other is shamrock (laughs) (laughs) for sure uh so okay great examples here i have i have two more last ones that are just real quick one you know we've been talking about the strategic side of boxing and i think that has been really well personified in recent years in the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock uh, films. Yeah, I think, definitely. That's a good call. I think I like that. looking at the analysis of your enemy and kind of having the fight be over before it even starts, right? You know, that's obviously in that film taken to, you know, an exaggerated degree, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody has this like mental sparring match in their head before they actually do it. But the idea of kind of trying to read your opponent and guess how they're going to react and guess how they're going to come at you is a really interesting thing. And trying to build a character around that is it's kind of what the philosophy was behind a fighter character that I had played recently, Saeed, who he was an intelligence-based fighter. And his whole thing wasn't about being the person that could hit the hardest or move the fastest. It was about having, you know, a really high intelligence score. And before every fight, he would 
try to sort of suss out something about his opponent that he could use to put them off. Either he would insult them somehow to make them go into a rage and make them take disadvantage on certain roles, or he would, you know, create a situation where they were somehow put off guard or off their balance or something, or he would convince other people to fight for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really interesting thing to, to be able to, to utilize that. Definitely. Um, and I, I just love that scene in Sherlock where he's, you know, he's going through the list of all the things he's going to do to this guy. And he's like, at the end, he's like, ribs broken, discombobulated, full recovery, not possible for nine months or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I think that would be a hard character to play. Definitely. Right? Because it would require a lot of, playing really intelligent characters is hard because so you have to be you have to really actually smart. be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you exactly. to bullshit your way through smart talk <laughs> yeah. like um, I do sometimes. Totally, totally. <laughs> but, uh, I think that would be a fun, uh, a fun type of thing to kind of, maybe hone in on a little bit Mm -hmm. the other one that i wanted to talk about was just the street fighter series of games Mm -hmm. i think is so interesting because it's sort of like uh, it's sort of soap opera-esque it's like a soap opera with more punching right every character has this really interesting kind of uh, like soap opera backstory like chun Li is a secret interpol agent who's trying to avenge <laughs> the death of her father and that's why she's going after m bison because she thinks he's involved and uh vega is like a spanish um like matador who wears a mask because he's so vain that no one is beautiful enough to see his face and he wants to beat up <laughs> ugly people like you know th- things like that um guile is a he's a u.s air force officer whose best friend was killed and he's trying to avenge his best friend and uh ken is a guy it's like who, a soap opera. It totally is. A, that's what I'm saying. It's like a soap opera. Ken is a fighter who he was, you know, Ryu, the best fighter in the world. He was his best friend. And he tries to get back into fighting because he's worried that he's been his, spending so much time with his fiance has made him soft. And so he has to get back <laughs> in the ring. Like there's all these weird soap opera like motivations. Um, but the one character in particular that I wanted to talk about from uh, Street Fighter that I think has a really interesting background is Dalsam, who is he's a pacifist and his fighting style style is it's like they call it like the the secret of mystic yoga or something like that so he's a yoga master and all of his abilities involve him stretching out his limbs really far or shooting like magic fire and things like that and he as a character is actually a pacifist but when he wins fighting matches all of the money that he gets he gives to like to poor people to charities to Mm -hmm. like you know feed uh, impoverished, uh, you know, children in his, in his home country of India or, you know, or whatever. He uses it for the greater good, which I think is a really interesting thing. Someone that sort of says, all right. I don't really want to beat people up, but I have this incredible power. Mm-hmm. What's a way that I can use this skill that I am cursed with for good, <laughs> which I think is really interesting. Can I share a fun Klitschko fact that ties into Please that? Please do. So in 2012, Klitschko auctioned off his 1996 Olympic gold medal. Oh my um, God. And he sold it for a million dollars. He then donated that money to support Ukrainian children. And the buyer who bought it from him was so inspired that he donated the medal back to Klitschko because he said, <laughs> this should stay in your family so, and then he sold it again right <laughs> <laughs> you just keep selling it over and over again <laughs> yeah so you know just like you're talking That's about insane but I, in real I love life. that i love that <laughs> he's just like i've got enough of these i don't really need any more like, of these I'm, metals i'm like, drowning just, in metals yeah, exactly. <laughs> i gotta get rid of all these metals that's so cool for the kids <laughs> i love that kids. i think that's really really neat the wee chillins well i think a lot of these are really good piper do you have any other kind of final honorable mentions any last minute thoughts here 
two real fast, okay. and that is we have to talk about Maggie Fitzgerald from Million yes, Dollar Baby. Of course, uh, the stool sucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Down with stools. Um, and then every character in OKKO, okay uh, they're all fighters. Yeah. I specifically think of Elbow or Mister Gar, <laughs> who is the incredible muscly fighter who only wears a necktie. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, the greatest way to intimidate someone. Like that's like Ivan Drago style, right? Just be a big muscly guy and show up and have people be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Excellent, yes. excellent. Had to mentions. give them shout outs and now I'm ready to create. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead then and start doling out some of these prompts here, Piper. We've got a lot of foundational stuff that we can use here. Do you have a prompt ready? Yes. And who gets this first prompt? Is it you or me? I think you should get this one. I think I took the first one last week. So let's Alrighty. let's go ahead and send it to your way. Ooh, okay. So I got the word inherit. Ooh, okay. Mm, that instantly makes me think of Someone who comes from a very wealthy family, who inherits a lot of money. I mean, there's the Adonis Creed connection, certainly, kind of inheriting the name. Yeah. So, okay, here's what I'm going with. I think this fighter's kind of whole persona is that they – because we were talking about, you know, the – um uh what? The brawling gentleman? Yes. What did we call yes. it? The, uh, the gentleman fighter. The gentleman yes. fighter. Yes. I think this person literally comes from a very high society family. And maybe they uh, have never really fought before, but it's always been something that they've really admired. Mm -hmm. I think while they were, you know, young and growing up and they were definitely sent to like a boarding school, um they were always told, you know, oh, you, you have to someday you'll lead the family and you'll go into business and you'll you'll bring yeah. us into like the golden age of the powerful empire that we're building here but you know he was sent off to a a boys uh boarding school and there he learned uh how to box and yeah. but it was only it was always said you know oh this is like a sport but it's never like a profession yeah but he decides this is his calling and that's what he wants to do that's and i think when he inherits all of his family's fortune and they're like ah yes and now it's time for you to lead the family you're going to go off to new york and you're going to have the the big office and you're going to do all this stuff and he's like no i'm not actually i am going to build us my own gym and yeah. I'm going to... The best boxing gym in all of the Americas. Exactly. Yeah. And he's going to use his incredible wealth to bring in these incredible trainers, uh, not just from the US, but like from the Far East I and all these that. other places. It's very like turn of the century that yeah. I'm picturing. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm definitely picturing like industrial revolution, like kind of everything is sort of steam powered. And yes. He's, yeah. That maybe <laughs> he, ha he would totally have, you know, if this were a more kind of steampunky setting, he would absolutely have like a steam robot that he spars with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Cool. That's yes, his, I like, love coach. it. Yeah. I think um, if he is as showy as Creed, the original Creed yes. was, when he enters the ring, he's got like a top hat and a monocle on, and he like throws those off oh, yeah. before he's ready to like you know throw up his dukes. I, I think that would probably be the angle he would go for is that this sort of wealth and privilege, right? That he would say, you know what, I've got this. I'm not going to pretend I don't. Mm -hmm. I, they would maybe they would call him the Baron or something. Yeah, like, he would come in wearing you know a full like uh you know bloodborne style top coat and hat and he'd be throwing <laughs> it off as he's you know going down into the ring and there's like you know he's throwing money to the peasants that are watching him or something <laughs> like that he's just very over the top ostentatious definitely i also think that this could be an interesting sort of 
So looking at where he's at right now, where he's got his inheritance and he's using it to build a boxing ring that he's going to, you know, bring in all the best fighters and, you know, he's going to finally find somebody who's a worthy challenge of him, whatever. I think the interesting origin story here would be maybe he had to earn that inheritance because when he told his family he wanted to be a boxer, they were like, that's ridiculous. We're going to write you out of the will unless you can become the best boxer in the world. And that's what spurs him to go on this. You know, he has to fight through this tournament. And when he finally gets the the crown or the belt or whatever, he gets his inheritance and he says, yes, now my work can begin. I like that. Okay. And I see him coming from the type of family that is so like snooty and about money and everything that he, his father literally brings in the family lawyer and they write up a contract. And they make him fight the family lawyer. No, they, they write up a, a literal contract, like a, a binding contract yes, that says, yes. he's like, if I win the world like heavyweight championship, then I get ownership of the family yes. and all of the money and properties therein. Absolutely. And they sign it because he's like, this is the easiest like deal I've ever made, my stupid son. Yeah. He's going to go off and get his teeth knocked out <laughs> and he'll come crawling back and I'll put him to work on my docks. Absolutely. And then he like trains and he works and he becomes that person. And I think by the time he does that, he goes back to his family, right? And they're like, all right, I guess you won. Here's all the money. And he's like, yeah, keep it. I don't need you guys. You didn't believe in me. I disown you. That's interesting. <laughs> He's got his own wealth and money and stature now. I like that. I, I sort of like this rift with the family. And what I was kind of picturing is maybe something that start. you know, maybe when he's first starting to do this, he says, no, I'll do it because not only do I get the inheritance, but then maybe my family will respect me. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll give me the approval and they'll, you know, they'll be proud of me in the way that I've always wanted them to be. Right. And as he goes through this journey, he kind of realizes I don't need my family to be proud of me. I can just be proud of myself and my own accomplishments. I can make my own name you know i i have the name of you know baron uh baron uh thompson cavendish the fourth or you know whatever his <laughs> you know whatever his english royalty nobility name would be right but maybe as he's going through this tournament to become the best boxer in the world maybe he has a jealous sibling that's trying to sabotage him along the way and oh, so when okay. he finally gets to the championship fight he's got food poisoning or something because they've been trying to do stuff to you know stop his march to the to the top and that might start to widen the schism between him and his family now see that's interesting because i was also thinking that a family member should get involved but not in a malicious sense yeah. i feel like most of the the um you know like upper new york uh family has kind of disowned him he's the yeah. black sheep of the family no one talks about him but i liked the idea actually that if there was um like a young girl who's like maybe his cousin or something okay and she's always heard about her like her cousin who shall not be named at the fa- yeah. family gatherings and maybe she goes off to she sneaks off to new york city to go and watch him train yeah. maybe I mean, she's also a little bit of an outcast because she's kind of tomboyish and the yeah, family doesn't approve and, exactly yeah. like they're about to send her off to a, like a, a finishing school yeah. and she hates her her mean family and so yeah. she hears about her cousin and i think before she's supposed to be sent away she goes to see him train and she's like oh my gosh you're so cool i want to be like you and he's like no you don't want to be disowned like me like i'm happy with my life but you're a young lady and you have to go to school and stuff and she's like yeah. don't give me that crap and he's like that <laughs> he's was like, a test and you passed <laughs> <laughs> i like that and then she becomes the maggie fitch Gerald of, of his gym. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I like, I like this team up aspect, this familial kind of bond more than I like the, the schism, right? Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, we still kind of get both because yeah. there is this growing rift between him and his direct family and there's only one person who believes in him and that's his young cousin. Yeah. And I feel like there has to be something like maybe she doesn't actually like get in the ring too and also like learn to fight, but I think she is always there. Maybe she's like his manager. Yeah. I like that well, idea. Or, or she's because she's much smarter than him, perhaps. Right. She is the, co- she's the one who looks at the other fighters and she says, you're not 
fighting this guy the right way. I you have that. to approach him with a much different fight. You know, you have to learn this different style. And so she's the one that kind of says, I'm doing the research and watching. And without, without her, he wouldn't even come close to right. being the champion. Right. Ooh. So it's not like a, it's not like, oh, well, she's a girl, so she can't fight. It's like, she's the more important part of this duo because she's the one who actually has the knowledge. That she's is doing more the Sherlock Holmes thing. Yes. Where she's studying the you know, opponents and everything. And then she'll come to him while he's in the corner and she's like, all right, like I'm seeing like a little twitch on his side there. Like the rib is almost broken. You got to keep yeah, going for keep that. Targeting that rib. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were sending her to school to be a nurse or something. So she has this medical knowledge that, cool. yeah, that would be, that would be really interesting. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Neat. I like it too. All right. Oh, should, we this is great. should we give you a prompt? Yeah. And what's do a my, what's my prompt here? I have a couple ideas that I want to try to spin into this already. And I'm curious how they're going to work with whatever prompt I get. So what have you got for me? Your word is taboo. Taboo. Ooh. Okay. So what I was trying to think of originally is a way to incorporate – I wanted to just go like crazy all out with this, right? Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to try and find ways to bring in different genres of of role-playing games. So what I was thinking would be really cool would be to somehow have a time-traveling boxer that hmm. maybe comes from the future – and they, you know, they've had all these, you know, crazy, uh, you know, crazy like boxing training facilities and techniques, like weird robots and, you know, space grab, like hyper gravity simulation things that they can use to fight. And they get sent back in time. And now they have to box with all these people who have this kind of holistic style of boxing. I was going to ask right? you, like, when you say future, do you mean like our present day or do you mean like distant future? No, I mean like, I think like a distant sci fi Star Trek ass future. Interesting. Yeah. So now they're there and they look like, um, <laughs> Uh, Chris Hemsworth times 20 yeah. and he's there and he's fighting a bunch of dudes who just eat a lot of steak a bunch totally, of just like big totally. old fashioned beefy men because I mean the, I think the thing is in the future if they want to train under intense conditions they can just fly their spaceship really close to a sun with really high gravity so that they have to you know the the resistance is greater they don't need to put on weights they can just go towards a very large solar body and it's like training at it's like 10 times the effectiveness of the training because the gravity is so much higher so question for yeah. you is this a world similar since this game just came out of yeah. um uh what is it cyberpunk something something yeah yeah like maybe um, cyberpunk where you can have enhancements to your body i was gonna of, ask like yeah. does he come from a place where fighters are allowed to like enhance themselves cyber Genetically, or yeah. is that considered cheating? So therefore, because if he had that and he went back in time, wouldn't he have to remove those well, so it's a fair fight? So here's the thing. Maybe that is where the taboo comes in here. Oh. So I think this is a world where, you know, as just a regular person who doesn't have a career in, you know, like a martial skill, you can make any kind of enhancement to your body you want. You can get you know, frog's lungs or whatever. So you can frog's breathe underwater lungs. or you can get, you know, like extra arms. <laughs> what a so thing can, to choose. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> like itty bitty little baby yeah. lungs. Well, you get a bunch of them. You get, you get like a hundred of them. Oh my God. <laughs> can you think of a better way to get underwater breathing, Piper? I don't think so. Okay? Uh, gills, dude. Just put no. gills in you. No, 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 no. No, the frog lungs. <laughs> little itty bitty frog lungs. The frog lung approach is definitely the way to go here, That's I think. That's what yeah. is frog lungs. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's the best way, obviously. Like punch him in the chest, he can't breathe. <laughs> yes, but we're not here to talk about frogs' lungs, Piper. That was but but a one example of the infinite possibilities available to you in this in you can this get body enhancement future. Bulls' horns crafted yeah. onto your head, so you can just stab him. Yes, exactly. With your head. But so here's the thing: is I think if you want to pursue a career in boxing or in in the martial arts or in anything, any kind of like a physical 
medical thing, you're not allowed to get these enhancements that, you know, it's like steroids or whatever. It's cheating. You have to have this sort of purity. You can only win based on your own skill. You can train using whatever technology is available to you. Right. But it's, it it will cut, you'll be disqualified from fighting if you, if they find out that you have like a metal arm or something like that or frog's lungs. Um, I, I think that would be an interesting thing because now we're transported back in time where instead of technology ruling everything, it's magic that rules everything. And the rules, maybe the rules don't really apply anymore. Like, can you hide magic in a way that you can't hide the technology? Maybe you can cast bull strength or something like that on you. So you can become stronger in a way that would be sort of equivalent to technology. So this, this guy comes back in time and he, maybe he's kind of a grifter. And I think he would be very early in his career. I think he would have been used to training with all of this high tech equipment, but hadn't really gotten to a point where he was, you know, the best in the universe yet. So now he's suddenly put into a position where he no longer has any of this technology that he'd relied on to be a good boxer. And how does he find ways to, you know, to to supplement his training without all of those tools that he has needed up until this point. So I think when he gets back in time and he finds himself, you know, wanting to get into this fighting lifestyle here in this new timeline, um, but he's somehow, you know, like you said, he's missing these things. He needs to find himself a trainer. Yeah, for sure. And the question is, is it going to be a classic story where he finds, you know, a a washed up old Rooster Cogburn? (laughs) He's like, you're going to teach me how to brawl like they did in the old days. I think what he would do is instead of finding a fighter as a trainer, he would start to, you know, maybe he spends some time here just kind of out on his luck you know he ends up like homeless and he's just kind of wandering around and just getting by nothing but frog lungs yeah yeah. all he's got is his frog lungs he can dive underwater and he can eat minnows uh (laughs) as the frog would do and that's the only way he's been able to survive here (laughs) but he starts to see after spending a lot of time in this world that it's magic that kind of is that rules everything right Mm -hmm. so instead of going to find a fighter as a mentor he would go and find a wizard and he would say how do i make myself punch with the force of a lightning bolt or something like that you know how do you combine your magical prowess and my fighting prowess right yeah and my frog lungs I like the idea that he keeps bringing that up. He does have and the frog lungs. Like, why do you tell us this? I think because he spent a lot of money on these frog lungs, yeah, and he's I trying to totally. like reaffirm that this was a good he's, investment. He's got buyer's remorse, <laughs> but he's just like, it, no, they were they made sense. Don't worry, they made sense. It wasn't a stupid thing that I drained my family fortune for. Don't worry, don't worry. I didn't do it on a dare yeah. when I was drunk in Cabo. <laughs> like, yeah, it's absolutely, in space Cabo. Uh, I I think that would be a fun thing to do, and maybe maybe the way that he ended up being sent back in time it was through like a tragic boxing training accident right so he was learning to punch using this experimental new like punching machine right that it would test how strong of a punch you could take and when they when they it's powered by like a you know like idea. a hadron collider. Well, I got an idea too. Go here, for it. So go for wait it. a second. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Maybe this machine is powered by like you know the like the it harnesses energy from a black hole, or it's got like a hadron collider in it, so it can punch with the with any strength that you could possibly imagine. It could be the hardest hitting thing in the universe, or it can be the softest hitting thing in the universe, right? And when they go to test it, it punches a hole in time and it sucks him into it. And so now he's sent back in time, and he has to find a way using just his fists to punch another hole in time and get back to the future. Interesting. That's what I'm thinking. Hashtag back to the future. Yes. I what, was are, thinking, what is your idea, Piper? Um, I was thinking that if you're having a time-related punching technology, that it would be that every 
punch that you do, it like kind of moves that person ahead in time, so they're like weaker. Oh, and so like you punch them by like every time you punch them, you make them a little older and weaker. That's and, like, interesting. That's the concept. Okay, but then it malfunctions, and instead, like that time technology, it ends up like sucking him back. Instead. That is really interesting. I like that a lot. That it's supposed to be that he is moving time through other people, mm-hmm. but it ends up that it moves time around him and yeah. he has to he's got the start of this technique all he has are these these super high tech fancy boxing gloves or gauntlets and they don't really work the way they're supposed to so now trapped in the past he has to find somebody who can help him make them work the way they're meant to and punch a hole back into the future so one thing that i like about your character <laughs> that seems your guy takes a lot of weird gambles without any oh, like yeah, he testing does. he's like i'll put frog lungs in my body <laughs> I'll put on these time-punching gloves and see what happens. He's a complete maniac. Yeah, he's absolutely (laughs) mad, right? I mean, in a future where anything is possible, I think the standards of... sanity have moved significantly <laughs> oh my goodness okay so what makes sense to me because we were saying before the show that the way we should kind of wrap this up is that our two fighters should yes. fight one another yes it makes sense that if your guy is transported back in time maybe he ends up in my industrial revolution yeah for sure and he has to fight my gentleman fighter for sure but maybe he's you know maybe if he's at the height of his boxing powers when he ends up in this time, it also makes him an old man or something, or it makes him younger, or it makes, you know, something where it puts him in a he position arrives. where he's not at the peak power. His frog lungs are too small. For his, his frog lungs get older, but the rest of him stays the same. Oh my god, his itty bitty frog lungs. He's got lungs. itty bitty little smoker's frog lungs. Because <laughs> he's always smoking like a chimney. Yeah, exactly. And he gets to this time period and everyone's smoking constantly, and so that all yeah. secondhand smoke, it really hurts his frog lungs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I feel like your guy, he shows up and he just looks like uh, one of the main dudes from grudge match he's just an old man <laughs> he's just yeah <laughs> he's exactly again i do kind of like that honestly <laughs> I, I like that when he when he maybe when he punches people he can steal their their youth maybe that's part of it too is See, that i feel yeah. like if our characters are going to fight he yeah. can't have magical abilities because well, my guy is just a man yeah because the, the things have broke like that's yeah in, if, in a perfect world that's how it's supposed to work right mm-hmm. but it's malfunction and they've broke and now he's here so maybe maybe this is how we make it interesting he's been fighting for a long time because he has these gloves that anytime he punches somebody it it ages them forward and ages him down so he's had like a hundred year long yeah exactly (laughs) maybe he's had like a 50 year long or a hundred year long boxing career like an unnaturally long career so that he has all of this experience right but when he gets sent back in time it malfunctions the gloves break so he can no longer steal youth from other uh, from other boxers mm-hmm. and he's like an old man now cool so he has okay. all of this experience and knowledge but he's not at his peak physical capacities awesome and you're fighting going up against my guy who i'd say is probably you know let's say maybe like late 20s yeah you should be at your peak oh I yeah, think. yeah yeah my guy's at his peak uh he's eaten so many steaks yeah. he drinks so much milk he's like <laughs> oh he's ready for it ready to Absolutely. you know for the the dawn of a new era yeah he's gonna punch america into the 21st yeah. century <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna punch america into the 28th century <laughs> <laughs> um this is just making me think of shout out to sherlock holmes in the 22nd century yes great yes. wb kids program yes, absolutely <laughs> so okay let's let's maybe say let's look at the first the first round the, this would be like a 12-round match, right? Mm-hmm. This would be like classic like heavyweight rules, right? The first round, how does that look? The sixth round right in the middle and the final round. How does okay. that go? Or maybe, maybe not the final round, maybe the second to last round. So maybe we don't necessarily have to establish a winner mm-hmm. here. But who do you think would have the edge early on 
versus who would have the edge like halfway through the fight. And then as we're getting closer, like rounding it out right before the finale, who's in control. So question before this fight, has your character been seeking training from this wizard person? Yeah, I think so. This I industrial so. wizard. Yes. Industrial <laughs> wizard. Yeah. A steam wizard. Steam wizard. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So he's coming into it and now he's practiced a little bit in this world of fighting yeah. and such. He, he's got, just enough that, cause his thing is that he's experienced, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of has, what what both your boxer Thompson Cavendish the third or whatever you named my his, guy that's I don't so know what his name is I'm sorry <laughs> um and his and his little cousin like she can read people's sort of styles and he can punch really hard my guy kind of has both of that but because he's sort of old he can't utilize that skill as well so here's what I'm thinking I think first round you're definitely like doing better because you're kind of unpredictable. You've got these weird techniques that no one's seen before. Yeah. And my guy is definitely kind of like thrown off guard by your weirdness. Yes. Um, so I think first ground, definitely you. Okay. I think by sense. sixth round. I'm using round, weird wizard skills because I've been here just long enough to learn from this wizard. But, and yeah. there's also, you've got all these like strange leftover techniques from the future and yeah. all this other stuff. And yeah. so it's like really hard for my guy to get a read on you. And it's, it's, the favor it's the odds yeah. are in your favor in round one yeah. i think by round six cousin has studied you enough that she's like all right i think i know like here's what you got to do about this guy here's yeah. where his weaknesses are so now my guy is kind of taken up the the reins and kind yeah. of he's got you in the corner and more your so endurance now. is better you know because you have normal human lungs you're not relying on a thousand tiny uh, an array of frog lungs exactly to keep you the the cousin she's noticed that every time they pull you to the corner you're like slurping up some <laughs> flies yeah. it's like there's something about that. They have to keep my skin moist, and yeah. they're like, "We didn't notice that before. That's so weird." And she's like, "All right, here's what you got to do. You got to go for his chest. Just punch him in the chest. <laughs> like, beat up those little frog lungs. That'll really knock him out." So, but how about the ending? I so I think it would. I, I kind of feel like if you can find my physical weakness, mm-hmm. like that's that's going to put me at a bigger disadvantage than me just continuing to kind of you know dance around you because you'll be able to outpace me you know you have better endurance than me right so if you can keep just punching me in the lungs over and over again you would probably be the victor however i think what would be the kind of final twist in this is at some point in the match does does some piece of my technology start functioning again you know like Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you're you know you keep punching me and i'm blocking and you knock something loose in one of my gloves and it, you know, it like breathes back to life. And now I have this like more powerful punch that I can use, you know, like yeah. that would be kind of the twist. So I would start out a little bit ahead and then you would pull ahead. And now going into the final match or the final round, we're just neck and neck because mm-hmm. I've suddenly got this new advantage again. And I like it. Where does this go? So I think to help us decide this, because we can't just debate back and forth. Yes. Let's flip a coin. Um, my, we'll see who wins and yeah, then we'll justify exactly. it. Exactly. So yeah. um, my fighter, I'll do heads. Okay. You got, your fighter can be tails. All right. I'll flip this coin and then we'll justify why, right. who wins and why. Piper is flipping a digital coin on google.com. Dun, 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 dun. Heads. Heads. All right. So that means you won. My guy wins. Wow. You picked so, heads. It was rigged all along. Nah, That's what the coin did. Unfair match. All right. So, go on. okay. <laughs> I like this idea that like something in your, in your gloves activates, right? Yeah. And so maybe after... The the sixth round you just start like beating me to a pulp yeah and my guy is like almost gone and i think maybe uh the technology though something about it like it doesn't work well existing in this timeline okay maybe that's it maybe it like sort of rejects itself maybe it has to oh so here's maybe this is what it is maybe it has to draw energy from some type of celestial phenomenon that 
that hasn't happened yet, right? Mm -hmm. If it pulls energy from like the sun or something, right? Maybe in my time, the sun is closer to earth. So it can more easily pull energy from the sun, right? Whereas in your timeline, earth hasn't been pulled that close to the sun by gravity yet. So, you know, I mean, this is only a couple hundred years, I guess we said, but still, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, but that would be kind of an interesting something thing. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It works for a while, but then yeah, something about it, like it just malfunctions and it can't, yeah. it can't exist in this yeah. time anymore. Yeah. And so you've had me on the ropes for the last few rounds and it seems like it's like totally going to be your your victory but then something happens the gloves don't the work glove anymore shuts off. your your wizard he goes off to the bathroom and he never comes back <laughs> <laughs> and um the cousin has been watching this entire time and she's like the wizard hasn't been back for two rounds like the gloves are, are the, they're not making the same noise that they were before his yeah. his every fraction of a second is just like a little less strong than it was the last yeah. time the, his chest is wide open he's you go for it. you punch his heart until he dies and he's oh like God. i got this I, I don't kill you definitely because that would be sad i actually think it I, so i don't necessarily want you to win because my wizard abandoned me you know? <laughs> i i think maybe another alternative option would be the glove powers on and Maybe, at, you know, you're kind of confused by it. You're like, I don't know what this glove is. This isn't regulation. Is this like a showmanship thing? It and hits me and I'm the, winded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, the, the cousin sees you, though, the, sees the glove and immediately realizes, like, that's you, – you've got to just punch him when he puts his guard up and try to break the glove again. And mm -hmm. so you're just hammering that, you know, that side. The glove, something about it, like, cracks. It explodes and cripples my arm or something like that. And then you can go on to victory. Awesome. You know, like, something about – either one of those I think would be interesting, right? But something about, you know, when I get my greatest strength back, you're still able to overcome it because you recognize what that strength is. And I think that brings you to, like – you know, it brings your art kind of full circle because you can now adapt in a way that you previously had to rely on, you know, yeah. your cousin to adapt. Like maybe your your cousin's like the glove and you're like, oh, I'm way ahead of you. And mm -hmm. you're just beating up on the glove. I like that. And also, and tell me if you disagree, but I feel like when it comes to our two fighters, because your guy, I mean, your word was taboo and he's been using technology that is technically not allowed. He's yes. kind of cheating this entire yes. time, at least once it's That makes working. him kind of a bad guy. So he should lose. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like then once <laughs> he doesn't have that to fall back on, because my guy, the whole like gentleman fighter, he's been training and all of this stuff he's like king's rules and then he yeah. just like goes in and oh he's like God, yeah. yeah and he's like it's like it's only you and your strength and what what you can do in the ring by yeah. yourself and the best man wins what, what are they no they call it uh queen queensbury rules, queensbury right? rules. Yeah. yeah and then he like yeah um i think he knocks you off your feet but you yeah. can decide if it's a knockout or not this reminds me of the ending of metagross solid four has this really ridiculous uh <laughs> over-the-top fight scene where um it's it's Solid Snake and Liquid Ocelot, which is Revolver Ocelot, Stupid who is name. possessed by the spirit <laughs> oh of Liquid Snake because he grabbed, but not really. He's only through psychotherapy tricked himself into thinking that he's, it's a very convoluted. What a game. Anyway. At the end of the game, you're on top of this, like, giant, like, submarine that houses a supercomputer that runs everything in the world by, like, pulling strings from behind the scenes. <laughs> and you're on top of it, and you get into this, like, boxing match, like, grudge match, and he's like, now, it's time to end it. The world is saved, but between you and me, there's one more match we have to fight. And so you start this fight, and you, it's actually really interesting, there's, this is the fourth Metagross Solid game, and there's four stages to the fight. And in the first one, it's playing the music from Metagross Solid 1. And then in the second one, it like switches to like Metagross Solid 2 style. And like the health bars change to look like they are in each respective game. It's nice. really interesting. That's it's cool. this, it's this really goofy kind of showy over the top 
thing, but they have the, it, it's basically like that. They're like, nothing matters anymore. Just you and me and each of our two fists and we got to <laughs> fight. And that's the way it kind of ends. And Very it's just cool. this brutal, like it, a fight that goes on way too long. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, so, that's how I kind of see it. I like it. I like it. Um, the question is, after this match is done and your frog lungs have recovered from being in the hospital for a few days um, and being submerged in water for yeah. a while so you can what, reabsorb everything. What would the Industrial Revolution era doctors do with my weird frog? I think they wouldn't know what to do I think, me, well, it sounds like you have, there's magic in this yeah, world because you've true. been seeking a wizard. You'd the go wizard to a wizard hospital. Helped, yeah. yeah, okay. The question is, when we cut, like, you know, oh, it's been like a few months since the fight or whatever, and I think, like, you know, it, it fades in from black and we see uh my guy and his cousin and they're at the the his his beautiful boxing arena that he's built his gym and he's practicing do uh does the door the doors open and your guy walks in and he's like yeah hey you got room for one more i think so i think so i think he would say you know what i technology didn't serve me the way that i thought it would i thought that this you know because the the gloves were like a training thing he wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to use those for fighting but because he was back in the past he was like well there is no like boxing commission that's mm -hmm. gonna you know stop me from using it like he probably has a really interesting like contentious relationship with the boxing commission because i think he probably got the frog lungs before he became a boxer <laughs> and he probably really had to fight to get approved to get his boxing license with those lungs he was like look they don't give me any advantage in the ring trust me it's an innocuous uh prosthetic that has nothing to do with my boxing career you know probably it was like years before he could get the approval to be a boxer with these frog lungs right that's why he talked that's part of the buyers and worse that's why he talks about them so much he's like trust me they're really cool they're, they're really really awesome i like the frog lungs a lot they weren't a waste of money um i i think he would show up and he would sort of say i'm gonna you know, I don't want to use this technology anymore. I don't even want to go back to the future anymore. It, it, I realize that if I want to be the best boxer ever, I can use the old techniques, the old ways of the best, and I can stay here and learn with you, Thompson Cavendish the Third, <laughs> and become a boxer there. And then, you know, they would Rocky style, like jump up in the air and freeze frame like Carl Weathers. Da -da -da. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's what I want to see for the end here. But it you... would freeze frame. It would turn to sepia, and then words would scroll across the screen that would say, "They then went to fight together in World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they They're... punched Hitler in the face until he died. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is, I think, probably the perfect ending for this uh, this duo here. Sounds pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> to continue on punching Nazis uh, for the next 10 years or so. So uh, let's go ahead and just sunset this one here. I, I think this is really good. I like where we're at with them. So did it. <laughs> if you have any ideas about our boxers, listeners, ways to improve them, uh, things to add on, new adventures they could get into, consider reaching out to us and sharing. And if you would like to do so, Piper, where can our listeners go to do that? Well, you can always tweet at us uh, uh, we are at WorldForgePod on Twitter, and you can also reach out to us yeah. via email, WorldForgePod at gmail.com. Absolutely. If any of you out there have uh, had a frog lung transplant and want to share your experiences <laughs> with us, tell us what that's like. We're curious. Tell to, us how many frog that. lungs are inside your yeah. chest cavity How many at the did it take to get you back to normal <laughs> human lung capacity? Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm very interested to hear that. Uh, but if you have any other things that you want to share, ideas for new episodes, uh, you know, things that you just want to hear us talk about, things you want our opinions on, we would love to hear it and we would love to talk about that stuff on air for you. So please consider reaching out. Exactly. And just yes. for the sake of addressing it, I've had um, a couple of people ask this and or just kind of comment about it on Twitter. Um, if you are building a world of your own and you'd like some help or if you'd like two wackos to kind of just go nuts <laughs> on the world that you're working on, um, feel free to, you know, send us information about that. We're happy to yeah. add plenty of shenanigans to whatever you are working on if you're a little stumped. Uh, and then you can pick and choose from the, the rubbish that we spill out yeah. of what you would like to use. <laughs> I think some of our most fun episodes in the past have been getting to kind of jump in and play with other characters, other players' worlds. You know, mm -hmm. we had uh, our friend D&D &D Steve wrote in. He wanted us to help uh, develop his world of Stadavita that he and his daughter were working on. And we got to talk about that cool moon city and the sun city mm -hmm. and how there was this duality with the, you know, the planet they were on. That was really fun to have this foundation to build upon and to get to just just kind of uh, you know, scramble, toss your salad a little bit here. Yeah. That's a, that's a gross euphemism, I think, actually. That Let's is use gross. Other things. I've also, we've <laughs> chatted a bit, um, with, uh, Jared from Monsters, Monsters and Multiclass. Um, when we did the one shot with him, yes. I was chatting with him a little bit offline too, cause I made a, a knight character and I started asking him questions. I'm like, would a king have knighted me? Is there like a king in your world? Yeah. And he's like, actually, no, this is a great opportunity for me to develop what knighthood is in my universe. Yeah. And so just, you know, anything. If yeah. you've got ideas and you want someone to, to shake it up. Just having a conversation with yeah. somebody or having somebody as a sounding board can be a great way to prompt some some fun new ideas, you know, to push you to develop things that you wouldn't have considered even needed to be developed yet, mm -hmm. maybe. So, we're yeah. here to help, free of charge. We're all about that. So Take our ideas, make them yours. <laughs> Please, again, consider reaching out. And if you want to help us, you should consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yay! Uh, that is by far one of the best ways that you can support us uh, that or just sharing with a friend. You know, if you've got somebody that you think would like our show, go ahead and send them a link, uh, send them to our Twitter, send them to our, you know, send them to us on Spotify, any of the major podcasting platforms that you think they would like to use. Uh, just recommend that they check out World Forge on it because uh, that also is a great way to help get our show in front of new listeners. So mm -hmm. that is very, very much appreciated if you could do any or all of those things. <laughs> uh but I think that brings us now into the next segment of the show, which is the Rec Room. The Rec Room. Uh, this episode, I think, has been kind of a string of small recommendations here. I mean, we've talked about a lot of movies and properties that we think are really interesting. But Piper, if there was one boxing movie that you think our listeners should go and check out, or one movie that you think would be a particularly potent source of inspiration for our listeners, what would you say that would be? I'd have to say Cinderella Man. Yeah. It was the movie that got me into boxing. I think it can get anybody who just is inspired by sports films into the yeah. sport of boxing. Absolutely. Yes. I, I completely agree with that. I think like James Braddock is such an incredible character and it's one of the most likable mm -hmm. roles that I think I've ever seen Russell Crowe in. Yeah. I think he's just so charming and, and like admirable and like noble. Like, I mean, he's someone who really just, I don't know how you could not like that person. Yeah. You know, he's very <laughs> he humble. He has great. principles. He cares for his family. Absolutely. He looks after his neighbors. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, good. please go and check out Cinderella Man. It's a phenomenal movie. And when you're done with that, consider checking out Million Dollar Baby. That yes. would be my next recommendation for a great boxing movie because another movie with phenomenal characters in it. Um, you know, you can, ha you've got your old, grizzled, uh, kind of jaded, 
Clint Eastwood character mm-hmm. who doesn't want to train anybody, especially not girls. And then we've got uh, you <laughs> Hillary know Swank's. Hillary Swank who comes in and she's just she just won't give up. She's mm-hmm. just you know has this raw natural drive and talent, and she kind of wins him over. And I think they're Becomes both that daughter he always needed. yeah they're they're both really really interesting characters, and I think they could be great foundations for characters in your role playing games. I think Absolutely. would be really fun to, to play something inspired by either of them. So consider looking up either of those things. I'm pretty sure they're both on some streaming service. They were both on Netflix in the last year or so, I think. Yeah, but, I think Cinderella uh, Man is not on Netflix anymore, but it may yeah. be on one of the others. Yeah, but Million Dollar Baby I'm pretty positive is. So, yeah. yeah, so go go and check those out. Uh, and short of that, we hope, again, that you all had a wonderful holiday, and we hope that 2020 has not been too hard on you because, hey, this is the last episode of the year. It is. Uh, so, I was just checking that to be yes. like, the next time you hear our voice will be in 2021? <laughs> this is the last time you will hear us in 2020. Next week, we will be back with probably a New Year's themed episode. Maybe, who knows? Something new is going to come yeah. uh, from this, surely. But uh, we're, we're going to be on to bigger and better things, hopefully, in 2021. <laughs> and we hope you all are as well. And we also just want to thank really quick a lot of the people who have said um, that we've been able to kind of help them through some hard times this year. We had our friend Vale Holy Cannoli on Twitter said that I, I thought this was really sweet. He said that we were, uh, you know, made some of the darker times of this year Aww. just more kind of tolerable for him. And I thought that was really sweet. Yay. Thanks, Vail. Um, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Piper, I know you really appreciate that as well. Mm-hmm. And any kind of feedback like that, just, oh my gosh, you guys, it like melts our hearts so much. So we really hope that this show can help kind of be a source of cheer and happiness in some scary times. And we also really hope that, you know, 2020 is not uh, indicative of what 2021 is going to be like. I really think that there are better and brighter and happier things in the future for all of us. Absolutely. And uh, we want to send out 2020 on that note, I yeah. think, more than anything else. So <laughs> Silver linings. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for sticking with us all this time, listeners. I think this is like 83 episodes or something. Uh, Getting old. Yes, we're, we're continuing on with the show, and we will look forward to being back with you again in 2021. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.